Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars. Welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge pretty much every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe, the holy tricolon, or maybe you want to get in contact on social media, or even better, give us a shout out on your social media feed. Maybe it's uh, Twitter slash X, WSBFUN over there. Maybe it's Instagram, the one that I run with a couple of banging Simpsons memes this week, might I add. Had my first ever thousand liker this week, uh, but it was actually Shaffy. So that's wrestling should be fun in one word, as it is on <laughs> Facebook and TikTok, and pretty much anywhere else. You can, as always, give your mum a ring or write a letter to your nan or act this out as a script for a play on a balcony for your local community. I'm joined by a very special guest. Well, it's not that special of a guest. He's here most weeks. But for episode 108, we're going back old school wrestling chat. No bells, no whistles. I want to talk to my man, JCH James Harris. Harris, how are you getting on? Yeah, good thanks, mate. I mean, the people in their group were promised a twat and they got one, haven't they? So That's right. So <laughs> our very special guest, the unspectacular twat, James Harris. <laughs> in in all seriousness, we, we were hoping to have a very special guest this week uh, on the pod to preview progress this Sunday, Hungry Like a Wolf. And we were hoping to have Charles Crowley, who is going to challenge for the GCW world title. Actually, he's got a couple of big matches coming up, Crowley. Over the weekend, he defended the TNT title. And unfortunately, he was injured. I'm not exactly sure if it was the quote-unquote spectacular bump off the balcony, but that did take off around the internet. Maybe you saw it. And um, we're told, well, Charles was in contact. He was very apologetic. He couldn't make it this evening because um, he's getting his shoulder checked out. So we wish Charles all the best, obviously, and we wish him the best for a speedy recovery because not just the GCW shows last weekend, but, of course, a GCW title match this Sunday. We'll talk more about that later. And also coming up, um, a big match in Manchester that I have it on good authority will have been announced by uh, the time this comes out on Friday. Charles Crowley is going to wrestle Aiden English in what is called the most dramatic match in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, so we wish you all the best. Uh, I could just see the face of James Harris there. He didn't know about that. That was a uh, bit of a spoiler for him. Uh, sorry, I didn't give you a warning, mate. Thoughts on that announcement for progress, Charles Crowley versus Aiden English? Yeah, it sounds, uh, like you say, spectacular, dramatic match indeed. Um, I haven't seen Aiden English for a while. Is it? I didn't know he was still active. Do you know what? I think he's been commentating for Impact. Yeah, I knew he did commentary in NXT for a while, didn't he, as well? Yeah, I think that Impact's commentary team, um, and as a wrestling podcast, we should know this for sure, but I think it's Aiden English, and he's not called Aiden English, by the way. He's like the drama king. Um, I think his name might be Matthew Rewalt. Uh, I'm not sure if that's how he pronounces it, but in Australia we say Rewalt because it's a very famous football name, and the other guy's Matt Stryker, so I think it's Matt and Matt. Uh, who do the impact announcing these days. But, you know, like my resume's out there, Impact, if you're interested in just saving some money on the the British tour coming up, that actually is looking kind of good. So, like, Aris, we're going to, like, we're, we're short on time here just to sort of show people how the sausage is made under the hood. Like, we've only probably got about 40-odd minutes or so to have a chat. So shall we jump straight into it, do a bit of what the nerds are watching? 
Yeah, let's go for it, bud. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. So, mate, Harris, uh, you and I over the weekend, both pretty drunk, uh, definitely on Friday together. I, I heard I got to interview Simon Jones, former England and origin of birth Wales cricketer over the weekend. He told me his favourite wrestler ever was the Ultimate Warrior. Um, which I, yeah, I think on the field he channeled some of that uh, warrior <laughs> anger, but off the field couldn't have been a nicer bloke. You know, when we had our second Jaeger bomb at about 3am on Saturday morning, I realised he was probably the nicest cricketer I've ever met. So Yeah, he's a pro- proper nice bloke, as you say, like stuck around till early hours of the morning. I wasn't planning on that. I was planning on leaving uh, to get the train home. Uh, <laughs> I got um, distracted by Simon Jones and other things, and, uh, and, ended up, uh, <laughs> and other things ended up sticking around to the to the early hours of the morning, getting a cab. Yeah, uh, and then had to go to work in the morning. But um, <laughs> was it worth it? Well, feedback in times to come. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we we wish you all the best in your continued efforts <laughs> carrying on from Friday. Uh, <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> For more dating advice from the rest and should be fun boys, make sure you get involved, get in contact on social media, mate. For what the nerds are watching this week, I think probably both of us. Where I was going with that, we were both drunk over the weekend. I, I don't know about you, but probably in the last couple of weeks, the only wrestling I've really seen is AEW. Um, so I thought maybe we could just have a quick whirlwind tour of how AEW are doing at the moment. What do you reckon? Yeah, sounds good, mate. So I haven't been on for a while due to scheduling conflicts. So the last time I was here, we were still on the build-up to All In and all the uh, <laughs> you know, all the drama's gone on since then. But, um, yeah, as we were discussing briefly in the uh, pre-show meeting, AEW has been on a bit of a tear since the, uh, the loss of our love. And, um, yeah. yeah, I think it deserves some attention. Yeah, well, I, I really, I, I'm glad that you said that because I feel like when the announcement did come that Punk was going to be fired, I think there was like some doom and gloom around AEW. Like, I mean, did you sort of feel that? Like, did, I mean, obviously you would have because you're the only person in the world that was a bigger CM Punk fan than me, but were you worried about whether you were still going to be interested in AEW and what the product would be like after Punk left? Definitely from a personal point of view, worried if I was going to be still be watching it. I know we had the big emotional punk podcast when he came back with I think it was yourself me Shafi I think Ross um, and a lot of us had sort of come back to wrestling from a place where we hadn't been watching at all because of CM Punk and yeah. we have hung around uh, because of the product but then obviously the comeback I was really enjoying what he'd been doing they say like I know you touched on it on the all-in podcast the match with Joe one of my favorite matches of the year uh, and to be there live, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to pretend it's the greatest work rate match of all time. I was more than that, it was pretty good still. But, um, yeah, yeah as, a, as a thing to be at for someone of our ilk, it was like yeah. incredible. And then, yeah, as we and we had our Pepsi plunge moment. So just to see him like go straight away from that, it was disappointing. And it did take me a, a, a little while to sort of, you know, am I going to watch it? It took me a week and a half probably to watch, get around to watching All Out. And when I did, I was very impressed. And then they've sort of carried on going from that. And I know there's a few specific characters you'd like to get to. So, Yeah, I think that we'd like, we will allow some more time and we have a couple of the other boys on to have a bit more of a longer form chat about CM Punk and like what we foresee for the future and our thoughts about it. Because I do think you and I, like probably especially, we do 
maybe need to like almost purge some thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. But on we're going to need definitely a lot more than forty minutes or so for that one. I think so. I like. I mean, I really think that the AEW programming over the last couple of weeks has been as good as ever. Like, I've really enjoyed the shows. And then because we were doing this, I decided, well, I might actually just have a bit of a think about and jot down a few ideas about why I think that might be. Because oftentimes there's so much TV wrestling and so much good wrestling. It's just like, oh, yeah, that was fun. Um, but in between stints of just like doom scrolling on my phone, I don't really know why I enjoyed it. So I, I actually started thinking about it. So, I, you know, if, if you have any thoughts and want to jump in here, Harris, like I thought maybe just one at a time, like right at the top of the list for me is the Kingdom and Roddy Strong's character work. But I seriously enjoyed it. And I thought, I actually think it's really hard for me to find wrestling genuinely funny. Like there's funny moments. I like in a match, I find things can be funny. Like I'm like, ah, you know, that's all right. But over the last couple of weeks, I've actually found the kingdom genuinely amusing and actually have made me smile out loud. I didn't really know that they had that range in them. And that's all three of them. Roddy Strong, who MJF calls the, what, generic white boy or whatever it is, I don't know, something like that, bland white man. And then Matt Taven, who in his Ring of Honor run, even as champion, I thought he was just bland as shit. Mike Bennett couldn't really get the wheels moving either in Impact or in WWE, and we were told because it was his lack of character. And all of a sudden, they're fucking brilliant, I think. I don't know. What do you reckon about the Kingdom and Roddy Strong? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the thing I've found is, I mean, that promo they cut the other day on Adam Cole when there was all three of them in the ring, and they were telling the truth, doing that thing that heels do, they believe it's the truth. But it sounded like the truth to me. And I think, to me, the announcers keep going on about Roderick Strong whining and being, and sort of, to me, he's almost a babyface in this, which is because yeah. MJF's still a prick. Adam Cole's always been a bit of a prick, and they basically told him that to his face. And just yeah. because they're the popular ones, I think the announcing sort of playing up on Roddy Strong being a, being whining and whiny. Yeah. I know he is he is annoying. It's deliberately annoying, but and it, I think there's uh, a bit more shades of grey in it than a straight face heel uh, dynamic. And the promo that they cut, which they've not quite gone with what you said about the comedy part, which has been really enjoyable made you see it from a different light because they sounded up they were telling the truth it was the best promo work i've seen from Taven and bennett i think ever and strong who's yeah. always been I, I remember talking to rev pro rog saying before saying i thought he had one of the best offensive arsenals in in the world and he was just a wrestler wasn't he as as you say but he, yeah. and he's actually found a character here that's getting him over and he's in you know he's, he's always like up a mid-card main event i mean i'm not sure that's where he, he'll end up but he's sort yeah. of a character that's going to get him a good run in this storyline yeah, and that, and then that's the thing about AEW as well. Like what AEW can do well that WWE maybe doesn't is they cycle through, like you said, a run. And like to, maybe it's only going to be three months where Roddy Strong gets an opportunity. And then maybe he is back onto, you know, doing quick matches on Rampage or whatever it might be. But I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's like selection in sport. I mean, you know, we're cricket fans. Maybe people listening to this aren't very quickly like Jason Roy, who's a very famous cricketer, got dropped this week from the England team. But that's okay because he's been an England legend for the last 12 years. It's okay for people to have their time and their run and then, you know, go back and, as JR would say, learn a new hole. So I think that's a real strength of AEW. And I've really enjoyed this current crop. It just, things feel a bit fresh. And on that as well, by the way, neck health is real health. Um, that's going to be a T-shirt. Mark my words. That's going to be big by the time you listen to this. 
fresh stuff, like new credible challenges for titles, I think, in AEW have been awesome. As much as the champions have as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm thinking about Samoa Joe for the title, Roderick Strong, who it felt like could have been a contender for the title. These are two fresh faces for the world title. Then, like, what about Aussie Open for the tag belts? All of a sudden, you realise it's like, oh, hey, we've actually got one of the best tag teams in the world that we've had on the back burner. I'm making a prediction now, give it three months' time, and that fresh cycle will be Jay White. Jay White will get his turn very soon. So, like, I really enjoy that cycling through a fresh faces. Are there any of those that really stand out to you? Yeah, well, I, I say, I mean, you know that I've been talking about Swerve for a long time this year. Yeah. Uh, and he's... Yeah. There's been a lot of criticism about the way that Hangman Page has been booked, and they basically just gave that to Swerve to say in a promo and yeah. start a program with him. And obviously, with his faction, he's got people he's got to go through, so he's got to get him rushed to. That Luchasaurus Darby Allen match, which, which I haven't shut up about for three weeks, whatever, yeah. was the best like big man, little man matches. Little man's probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Oh, I think I that's acceptable. Luchasaurus is just literally chucking him around. Darby will take anything. Uh, yeah, and his work with Christian. I don't know what the end game is, but whether it nah. will end up with a Christian, with a Lichasaurus turn, or whether Christian just keep him as a monster for as long as he wants, or they bring Edge yeah. in, does Ed Christian become the face, which seems ridiculous, but you know, MGF's the face now. So, uh, <laughs> but um, something probably has to happen with Nick Wayne, doesn't it? Like, I think that I'm not sure exactly what, like you said, I don't know what the ingredient is, but I think um, Nikki's got something coming up. And whether he goes with Christian, I'm not sure, but I think, yeah, definitely there's going to, we're going to have something with Nikki soon. And you've got like the new and uh, incredibly charismatic Tony Storm. Um, Mate, 100%. That's on my list here. Yeah, definitely. I think she might win the belt. You people will have heard, would have watched it already by the time they hear this, but I think she might win the belt. Like, how good is this character? I saw someone try to badmouth it online the other day. I was like, mate, where oh, are you son. living? <laughs> yeah. It, and like, she's good at it too. Like, yeah, she's fantastic. And she's again, and similar in a way, I mean, to someone like Roderick Strong, and that she's never really had a, too much character. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, she, She's just been like a good wrestler, which is nothing to you know to laugh at. But yeah, but, and then she seems to have found herself in this role, which has just given her another layer. And, and as you say, it's given that freshness. Obviously, and then you've got people like um, she's like Takeshita's knocking around with Don Callis. Because um, yep. I was thinking to myself, you know, all these people who <laughs> it's going to come back always to Punk, who sort of had the falling outs with CM Punk, they aren't doing anything. No. Nah. Like they're not they're not the reasons that I'm and I, I'm not like I hate I hate the young bucks I hate Kenny Omega it's not that's not true, I mean I'm not an elite fan, <laughs> but um, you know I admire Kenny Omega's in ring work and the young bucks are fantastic when they have tag matches, but they're not really doing a lot at the moment. Jack Perry's not on the screen and they've no. still got all these people like they they've really I think I got called out last week on the podcast asking what I was thinking of the current incarnation of Ricky Starks which has been, again, I think he's been a fantastic heel. He's doing really well. And Big Bill is just, I mean, yeah. well, he's on like a, on an absolute tear. He's fantastic. So, I, don't, I have never quite clicked with Ricky Starks. Probably my high point of him was when he beat, when he first won the FTW title, you know, and the, the feud with Willie Hobbs. But like at the moment, I think this is probably about as much as I can enjoy his stuff with Big Bill. I think that really works for me. My issue sometimes, and this is like more like I know we're talking about AW being wonderful at the moment. Like my issue is AW oftentimes they book mid-card wrestlers to cut these promos and Swerve's done it as well. That's like, oh, I'm being held down by management. And I like when one person does it, 
And I think it's, you know, it can really work well with one person. But once everyone starts to do it and, like, every person that hasn't had a title shot for a while is trying to rag on Hangman Page or the Young Bucks or Kenny or whatever, it's like, mate, change the record. Um, that's what you get when the when it's well known that the bookers, well, they're not, they're not booking anymore, are they? But the higher up people are in spots. Yeah, yeah. So, it makes, so like, I mean, I, I agree, but don't want repetition for so much. I thought the swerve one on Page was very effective. Man, is they're good promos. They're their best promos of their careers. I agree with that. But for me, when more than one person is kind of yeah. doing it, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like that. That was the like, and Swerve was like Swerve's unbelievable. Yeah, he his time's coming as well. But with the Starks, like it's more the um, increase in intensity in his matches. I don't like him as a pandering babyface to me because I don't think he's that likable as a yeah. Um, if I'm honest, whereas as as this sort of like heel, uh, and then yeah, the match with uh, Danielson where he sort of brought out a whole nother level because he was doing that yeah. sort of tweener thing with Punk when he was cheating, and his, we've had a discussion do tweeners yeah. exist, but we won't go back to that. And I didn't find him very likable, even though he was getting a lot of cheers, mainly because a lot of people don't like seeing Punk elite dorks. Um, yeah, <laughs> now <laughs> I had to get one in there, but now um, yeah, he's gone to the full on. So he's got the uh, the big heater in uh, in Big Bill, and he's just sort of changed his sort of intensity, and he's just embracing the prick that he sort of almost. It's a, he's a cocky, arrogant babyface, isn't he? So yeah, it comes across well as a heel. I think it comes across better for him, for his character, and for his work. Yeah, without without a doubt, I think he has to be, and he's. I'm thinking about it now. He's well. He must be the top heel on that show, Collision, right? It's either him or the Bullet Club, I suppose. I say, like, yeah, bang bang gang. Yeah, like it's got to be those. It's it's one of those two. So like, so like wrestling sometimes like that. It's almost like he's found his slot as a top heel. Like you can, you know, look at the roster and see well what was needed. Maybe it was a clever decision from him. If he's done that himself, that's really smart because he's looked at Collision. He said, well, there's going to have to be heels to work with at the time. Punk. Now it's Dragon. You know, FTR maybe whoever it might be. And there's a slot there. Who's going to be that heel? And I think that was like the famous story, like with Mick Foley, you know, he was sort of working babyface with Terry Funk going into uh, what WrestleMania 14. And then straight after they just needed a heel and he, he was nowhere near a heel at the time, but they're like, yeah, right. You can work with Austin. If you think you can pull off the heel. And he said, fucking oath I can, if it means I get to work with Austin, of course I can be a heel. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and and then, you know, and that's what happened, you know. So, um, and then that that obviously led to him actually getting his babyface world title run down the track. So I think that if that is Ricky Starks himself, or maybe it's just Tony Khan, but I, I do think that that's like, it's intelligent uh, marketing of yourself if mm-hmm. he's done that. Yep. Two more. Uh, we've already mentioned like MJF as a babyface. I really didn't think that it would interest me, but. I would be happy for him to have half an hour in the ring every week. Geez, I enjoy his stuff. Like, <laughs> you cannot take your eyes off him, right? He really just has something special. And I mean, that's like the coldest take in the world, right? <laughs> Obviously, everyone knows. But I'm surprised that he has been so successful as a babyface straight away. Yeah. I mean, he's got the benefit of being a sort of homegrown AEW star. So the crowd want, I'm not saying want to like him because they obviously enjoyed booing him and, uh, but there's always in the current era of wrestling fandom where you sort of know, you know, we're not kids. We know these, you know, some people are like that in real life probably, but they, people want to sort of get behind people as much as they can to an extent. 
I'm struggling to put this into words, but I think that, yeah, he's you know, he's one of their boys, homegrown boys, you know, we'll boo him, we'll boo him, we'll boo him. But then if he does make that turn, everyone wants him to succeed because he's, and they want him to stay. And yeah. I think, and, and obviously, because you say, like, he's still a bit of a twat. Like, oh, like he's, I mean, he's not like he's not, and which is which is another thing it's good because it's not like when you turn someone's face and then they suddenly become the opposite of what they were doing to sort of get right. over in the first place so he's kept like his edge definitely but he just like apologizes for it a bit like it's sort of yeah. <laughs> he, he he couldn't just go and change his personality completely which has yeah. been like an issue that we've seen in wrestling throughout the years but yeah, no, like I, I think I think they've got it just right at the moment, and I think you know, like the opportunity is probably going to be there for him to go back at some stage in the future. It's either got to be him or Cole at some point. I mean, I, I know that I've spoken here on the show before about the feeling that it probably needs to be Cole for the story to work. It's got to be MJF that has his heart broken, but then yeah, that that's got to lead to him. MJF supervillain, right? Yeah, definitely. Because it's yeah. I say that the line that got me the most of it was when they were playing the video games. And then MGF's like, oh, this is actually quite fun when you've got someone to play with. <laughs> yeah. Just like, sort of show, like showing his character, in, I don't know how true it is or not, or some yeah. of the stuff he says of his upbringing, but like he had not new, he literally had no friends, which has made him the person he was. Yeah. And then Adam Cole's softening him. So yeah, they're, the as you say, the turn from Cole on him, then it's going to take him to a whole new level of depravity, isn't it? Which is I yeah. think, the long-term, assume the long-term. Carrying on the gun club in putting them in the Bang Bang Gang. Yeah. Well, what a fit that's been. Yeah. They fit in so well with that. The four-man entrance. Obviously, they're basically a sort of homegrown. They are a homegrown tag team as well, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah, yeah. But for AEW, and, and you know, they maybe were in a spot a bit early at times, but now they've, again, just found that slot, that niche that's really working from that moment, and they're getting to work with, with great people both in and outside the ring. And you just think it's going to improve them a lot going further in the in the future. Yeah, I like their slot. They're quite funny as well. I yeah, yeah. At this point in their careers, they're actually a lot funnier than their old man. But I know, like, that'll start a fight with you. But, <laughs> um, you know, you know they're just even little things. Like I enjoyed this week, like you said, the entrance. Like there was a bit this week when um, Jay White was giving big introductions to everyone, and then he, you know, the whoever it was, the last one, I guess it was Austin, and he's just like, and Austin Gum. <laughs> and I, like just yeah like i mean that that shows that they're fitting in and to me it looks like there's a bit more like freedom on collision for people to find their character maybe and that's what we're seeing on that on that show it's it, it is a little bit fresh and and newer characters and people presented in different ways but speaking of that i don't know if you saw it this week or like it must have been collision i think there was a backstage interview with eddie kingston and my last thing that I've really enjoyed in AEW. Was it the one with Eddie Kingston and Claudio or just Eddie on his own? That one was good. That one was good. And then this week they've done another one, but they've just, it's just Eddie on his own. So then on so on Dynamite, there was like a brawl and they didn't touch each other. They were just staring at each other in silence. And I'm if I remember correctly, Eddie hadn't said too much in the sit-down thing at the table. So then it's like a promo with him to camera for a couple of minutes. And it was just like the most passionate, honest thing you'll see. And it felt more passionate. Um, and I've actually written on my run sheet here that Eddie Kingston sang fuck in promos. <laughs> uh, like it was, just, and they, they bleeped it out and stuff. It, it was all about like New York and stuff. He's like, you know, he called him motherfucker. He's like, motherfucker, you're not going to come to New York and beat me. You're not ready for the misery of New York. It's, you know, like I grew up with misery. You don't understand you're the best athlete in the world, but you haven't got my misery, like all this stuff. And then he's like, 
and then it's, and he's just sort of saying, he just finished off by saying, you know, like motherfucker, I'm gonna fuck you up in New York, and it was just so good. <laughs> and I, I just loved it, and I because swearing gets overused in certain wrestling companies. I enjoy GCW, but every promo is the same. But then when you get to swear every now and then for effect, it's like I. I have to say as a teacher, it'd be great if I could have two swear words a year. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I just save them. And just like, just like out of the blue, you fucking cunt. (laughs) Jenkins, you cunt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, um, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mate, you know what? I'm excited. I'm really excited for Grand Slam. I can't wait to see where it goes. I just think, you know, AEW so far, like quietly optimistic. I think they're doing well since all in and all out. I was worried that it was going to be the high point of, you know, them as a company, but like I've really enjoyed it. Is there anything that I've missed that you also wanted to touch on before we do some progress? No, I'd say we briefly mentioned the return of Danielson, which I think has been awesome. Can't wait to see him wrestle Zach. And to see how this last year brings for him. But yeah, let's let's just move on because yeah, we could sit here and talk about you know Andrade's knocking around again, Miro. But yeah, we're just gonna throw out names and say who's doing well. So let's move on. <laughs> yeah, outstanding. Okay. Uh so a little bit of a round table for us. We're gonna do the progress preview. Something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's round table, all about progress wrestling hungry like the wolf this is the wrestling should be fun round table right mate sunday hungry like a wolf i think harris and again wrestling should be fun maybe People get sick of the over-the-top sweetness, saccharin, as JV <laughs> would say. But um, I think it's probably Progress's strongest London card since Super Strong Style. Um, I would hope that most people would agree with me there. Like, Harris, you've got a ticket. It doesn't have to be well, – if you don't have the card, that's okay. Like, I'm genuinely, I'm to genuinely react to you. Okay, so the way this is going to work is I'm going to just say things from the card. I'm going to make it up. So up first is Rob Van Dam versus Ian Bell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> In, in a Zoe Deschanel on a pole match. <laughs> uh, no, but... Okay, so you don't know the card then. I think it's fair to say that oh, like, oh, there was probably some question marks around progress and the crowds that they drew over all in weekend. I think we're allowed to say that from a journalistic standpoint, even though we are progress homers. Uh, like, what is it that, like, has brought you back? Let's have some positivity about the progress experience to start off. Oh, um, well, for me, it's, it's always a reason to see see my mates. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's why I like going to wrestling. Yeah. You know, occasionally I'll go, I think I haven't been to a show on my own for a long time. I don't think I've quite got the passion for, to do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I love talking yeah. to my mates about it. And that's when, yeah, like yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a show on Sunday. Who's going? As soon as somebody said yes, I went and bought a ticket. It yeah. didn't need to be 15 of us. I mean, there's like four or five of us this time. Sunday day out, watching the wrestling. Having a cut of beers. We've got the big Australia Wales game to go to afterwards, mate. You know, big yeah, one for mate. you now as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolutely huge game, by the way. But we'll see. I'm not overly confident. Like, let's, two of us, mate. <laughs> let's say you haven't got your six best mates in the city with you. Let's say you haven't met. Let's 
I also think that you can have that experience even if you're not meeting someone there. Like, I mean, I know it is, it is like you said, it, we used to go to a lot of shows on our own. It's how we met wrestling should be fun. Yeah. But, like, I do think there is still something to be said about the progress atmosphere. Well, I think it is possible to come. I think it's possible to be welcome, to make new friends, but also to be involved with your new 598 best friends. Do you know? Like, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, I yeah. Yeah, like I think that there, there is still legs in the progress model of in one of the coolest venues in London, an easily accessible bar, loud music, excellent sound quality, opportunities to stand if you want to, and hopefully most of the time people not being dicks. So um, like I definitely think that's still there. But I know the card. So I'm actually really excited for the card. Like, <laughs> let me run you through it, mate. So the headlining act. Main event of the evening, we start right at the top here, uh, Kid Lycos. Now, I want to get your thoughts on Lycos, Harris. It, now that I've told you that it's Kid Lycos challenging Spike Trevay, Kid Lycos who won Super Strong Style 16, and I want you to be honest about this. Ross isn't here, okay? So you won't get in trouble if, if you're negative because I reckon no matter what you say, I've got the rebuttal. But what do you think about Kid Lycos in the main event against uh, Spike well, I watched that um, video package that they put out. Yep. This is the one match I did know was happening. And I thought that was a really good video package because there hasn't been a London show since Strongstar, has there? But, uh, well, there was the one that clashed with other things. I haven't been to a London show since Strongstar, but I saw the video package they put out with all the stuff with the Dominators, Raynham and yep. Lycos Gym. I thought it was a really well put together package. Really enjoyed it. And I'm sure Kid likes to do a great job. Not my guy. Not never a CCK guy, didn't like the way they were brought into progress years ago when they just sort of came in and we were expected to know who they were because half the crowd did. I didn't know who they were, I didn't go to Fight Club Pro, and yeah, I thought they were really given a reason. I say this nothing to do with current progress, it was a different regime. So, but just my personal opinion, never liked him. Used to getting quite a lot of bantery arguments or chance, chance against with um, because they were acting like heels and people were cheering them, which annoyed her, which annoys us at times. Um, so never really been one of my guys since that's my nothing against him as a performer, but I've never really what? felt a connection to Kid Lycos. I said I missed day one at the dome of Strong Star as well, which I know you said was a big moment and the crowd sort of got behind him. I wasn't uh the person I had I was expecting to win Strong Star. I, I won't deny the fans are into it, the majority of the fans are into it. But um yep. just not one of my guys personally. And again, nothing against him as a performer, just didn't really get off the wrong foot on him and uh, and uh, I've never really felt that connection to him. He's he's a wolf, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, like I, like, I hear that. And I, like, I felt the same for a long time. But I think that, you know, I was the same through CCK. I didn't quite grasp it. I didn't quite understand Chris Brooks either and his appeal. And then I sort of learned a few things about Kid Like Us in the last year or so. And, and I've got to the point now where I'm absolutely buzzing. And I do fully believe that he's an outside chance of knocking off Spike Trevay on Sunday. Firstly, we did a podcast with Spike Trevay and the way that Trevay spoke about Kid Lycos and the respect that he has for him as a really young veteran, it feels like Kid Lycos has been around forever, but it turns out he's like 10 years younger than me, which is just absolutely mental <laughs> because I feel like I've been watching him since I moved to the UK nine years ago. Like he is just a child still and Kid Lycos too even younger, but He's like this veteran that is so respected in the locker room and people, all the other wrestlers hold so highly and obviously promotions hold highly. And now I think that's starting to click with audiences. For me, 
there was one major watershed moment. The big volta in the story was the match with Chris Brooks at the Dome. It was my match of the year last year and probably by some distance. That's probably because every AEW match melds into each other to me in my mind. I can't remember them. But it stood out. It was unbelievable. And Lycos was working babyface in the Dome there against Chris Brooks. Yep. And it beat Chris Brooks in this death match. It was just ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, you've got to go and watch it. Fantastic, everyone I've spoken to, yeah, everyone I've spoken to loved it, including wrestlers, especially wrestlers. Like Gene Money said it was his favourite match. Chuck Mambo said it was his favourite match. Spike Gervais said it was an unbelievable match. You know, the, everyone yeah. who I've spoken to loves this match, right? So if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. So for me, I was like, fuck, this Lycos has got something. I didn't know he had this sort of babyface fire and this ability to tell a story. So then comes the big story in his built-in progress for mine, and that's the Sunshine Machine feud, where firstly it shows that he was a badass because he was, you know, he like busted Mambo open and he's tough. But that's, you know, that's one thing. But the way that that feud developed to make Lycos Jim credible all the way through to the last blow-off match where I'm telling you, if you didn't see it, it happened, Mambo started to tap in the submission. (laughs) And the referee hasn't seen it. Not many people in the crowd have seen it. And at that point, there's a choice for Lycos, right? It's either I whinge about this on a heel and I bust Mambo open again and then I continue where I'm going. Or I channel that Chris Brook deathmatch reaction. I put Mambo and TK over as the best tag team in the world. I say, we'd love to see you again sometime. And it ended up that out of that, Lycos was the most over of the four of them. That for me was when he really solidified the babyface turn. And I'm not, I don't know if people were paying close enough attention to that. I don't know if people understood the correlation between Brooks at the Dome and the match against the Sunshine Machine and just... How I think just to interrupt slightly, Dom. Um, yeah, I think looked at it from a obviously a very deep way, which is impressive because I got more of the it almost seemed like the Brooks match wasn't canon, yep, for a while. And it sort of got too. like and there was a quite a big gap in between between following up on that. Um, obviously, yep. you've come up with a well, as you said, you'd have your own reasons for me, you've come up with a yep. back with a reason for it to explain it, but I think that sort of needs to be pointed out in that story as well. And yeah. just as a way for what you've said to make more, to have more credence. Now, what I'm about to say again, I'm not sure if it's 100% true, but I'm pretty sure that just to maybe give some weight to the fact that they wanted it to be canon all along was the fact that Lycos then, I think, wore the overalls that he wore against Chris Brooks during Super Strong Style, I think, if I remember correctly, I think, or maybe it was in the Sunshine Machine match. He, he made a point to wear the same gear to show that this is my baby face stuff. Um, this is what I wear when I'm babyface. And I, I I think that that showed that whether it was the plan all along or not, it ended up being the plan. Maybe I'm looking too deeply. It's kind of what I do. I'm an, I'm an English teacher. It's sort of I have to find meaning that's not there. But <laughs> so then obviously super strong style, outstanding run, fully babyface after that, gets his moment in the ballroom. Spike Trevay in his podcast with us put that over. He said he was proud of him. He's glad he got his moment in the ballroom, but that was the end of it. And for me, the last thing, and this definitely is not progress canon and a little cheap plug episode 100 for us. But the thing that made me most excited was hearing Spike Trevay talk about it on our podcast. I just cannot wait. I think that Trevay did an unbelievable job on that podcast, building this feud and painting Lycos as that baby face threat. And also saying that Spike Trevay would rather die than let Lycos have that title. 
So I, I, I'm very excited for Sunday. I, I think you should be too, Harris. Well, I'm looking forward, looking forward to the match, definitely. Yeah. We're going to run through. We've only got, again, limited time here. We're going to run through a few of the other highlights for me. Almost at the top of the card. And the reason that I think it's top of the card is because of two conversations I've had very recently. Simon Miller versus Tate Mayfairs. I've had two people that have recently told me without prompting that the reason that they have heard of Progress Wrestling is Simon Miller. And to me, that blows my mind because I don't know what YouTube <laughs> is. Like, it's amazing that I'm hosting a podcast. I, I don't understand the internet at all, right? But apparently Simon Miller has this following online that I don't even know about. Sign Guy Sal, our friend from America, who takes his, all the signs to, uh, to yeah. the shows. He, he's always got one with a, give me a thumbs up, Simon Miller, which I'm never quite, which I know yeah. something to do with his YouTube. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And he's got quite a few photos. He's met, at Sal's met Simon Miller, met him at Mania this year, I think, at least yeah, once like- or twice at different shows. So, yeah, again, not my, uh, as you, what's the word? Platform medium of, platform, of, yeah, medium of, of watching things, but yeah, apparently he's got quite a big <laughs> following. And and then for me, I will be booing for Tate Mayfairs because he's kind of our guy. I won't be cheering him, but I will be booing for him. And part of that is because of the again the performance that he put on. I know you weren't there, James, but um, over all in weekend, the tantrum that he threw and the the absolute Bruiser Brody style of violence that he threatened the crowd with. Um, it felt so legit. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of how I feel, this fucking YouTuber coming in and trying to, like, take <laughs> semi-made event spot. I know that's not what you're meant to think. Like, I will cheer for you, Simon, because that's what I'm meant to do. But I could see it. It's like what you said about heels have to believe. And I, you know what? I can fully believe that Mayfairs is annoyed, uh, 100%. What's this guy coming in? He's just a ring announcer on the internet. Yeah, so absolutely buzzing for that. We got some imports. Similar to what I said about MJF, and if Tate, if you're listening, I'm not comparing you to MJF or anyone based yeah. on previous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it, Tate is like a if if he ever went to have a babyface run, I think he's got that sort of homegrown, sort of made his name in this company thing behind him as well. So I think if he ever did, again, I, I think it's always hard work to turn the likes of a Trevay or a, yeah. a Mayfairs. But um, if he did, I think you'd get a lot of uh, a good reactions if he used to just sort of tweak his character and uh, kept doing what he's doing, but with a slightly more nicer way. I think that's, yeah. that, that's a definite thing in his future. Yeah, definitely. So um, like I was saying, Aris, we got some uh, pretty big imports on this show as well. So, well, I don't know, big in quotation marks, but exciting might be a better word. So now this is, I have to admit, dear listeners, this is a wrestler that I'm not aware of, but we have an import from Pro Wrestling Noah, I believe, with Yoshiki Inamura, who is over here. He has been wrestling up north on the Progress Tour up there, and he's wrestling Big Damo. Harris, do you know anything about this guy? I don't. I'm not, I'm not a big knowledge of my Noah. If it's, since the, uh, since the, if it's a big since Japanese the dude and Damo, then I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the lads tell us that his stuff is quite good. Matthew Brummett, who's kind of our um, Japanese wrestling expert, I suppose you'd say, our historian. Well, he tells us to keep an eye out for this one. Big host match. So looking forward to that. Other imports on the show. QT Marshall announced this week he is facing Jack Bandicoot, making his Electric Ballroom debut. Now, Bandicoot, you might remember, Harris, was on the Gene Money show. I see. I knew I'd seen him. I knew I'd seen him, yeah. Yeah. He was in the opener with... um, Leon, I think. Yeah, with Callum Newman and somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. So 
I'd be interested to see what both of these guys can do. Obviously, we saw QT Marshall last month overall in weekend. I think, like, I really just want to get a bit of an idea, Harris. Like, what are your thoughts on QT Marshall coming in? I was just yeah. reading an article by uh, an interview with QT Marshall, not the great interview by our very own Ross Casey, just another one. <laughs> and he was saying about uh, he wants to just defend this belt everywhere he goes. He wants to beat Orange Cassidy's 32 defense records oh, for right. the national title. It was talking about him just re signing with AEW, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere apart from all the indies I can do to beat this record. So yeah. he wants to go out there and, and perform in front of as many people as possible, which is, uh, I'd say, which is good to see. I think that, like, it's proper old-school wrestling. Like, QT comes in, he defends his title traveling around the world, you know, like the old uh, world champion or whatever. Like, hopefully in the future, though, I'd really like to see, rather than the open challenge, I'd like to see, like, maybe some opponents be built up to face him maybe that you know that maybe there's a way to and like this is no slide on jack bandicoot like i'm really excited to see him obviously chuck mambo is like a great friend of mine that was great last month but you know like let's build someone up if we know qt's coming back again in a couple of months let's announce it early and let's what about a tournament what about a battle royal what about a ladder a six-man ladder match something let's get someone with some momentum going in to face qt and uh, maybe that guy should probably be Leon Slater. But, you know, whatever. That's just me. <laughs> I heard he made the PWI top 500 above Callum Newman. It's on the list, mate. Don't worry. It's <laughs> Don't worry. We're talking about that. Other imports. My favorite import on the show. One of my favorite wrestlers, Ali Catch. Ali Catch, for me, was what sealed me purchasing my ticket. I was probably always going to go anyway. But I think that there's an argument that, Ali Catch of all the imports could be the one that could ship the most tickets. I don't really have anything to back that up. I don't know anything about ticket sales. I don't know anything about the <laughs> industry of wrestling. Just for some reason, I feel like Ali Catch is one of those wrestlers that is a lot of people's favorite wrestler. And I I don't know if QT Marshall is anyone's favorite wrestler, but I think Ali Catch is some people's favorite wrestler. Like Jeff Hardy, right? Jeff Hardy was never the biggest face in WWE, but he was a lot of people's favorite wrestler. I think that's a good point. I think definitely has like a big like online following. You get a lot of memeable stuff and clips, viral stuff from Ali yeah. Catch, which I would uh, again give your point uh, validation there. And I think yeah, she definitely would have suggested me she'd she'd shift a few tickets. Um, yeah, and a few times. Um, I think it was. I can't remember. It was at, I think it wasn't at Bloodsport. It was at GCW show after Bloodsport last year. I think she wrestled Mickey James, and it was uh, yeah, that was really really enjoyable match back in there. I've seen, I've seen, I must have seen her a few times as well over the years at the GCW shows. But that one sticks out. I'm sure she said yeah. something about like I'm going to turn my dream match into a nightmare or something. There was some line like that, which I was. Uh... I think the the big um, the big line before that in the lead up in her promo was. Uh, this is not my dream match. This is my fantasy. That was it. Oh, yeah. Like, and like, it was like a little a no, play. Yeah, that, on that's what it was. Yeah. 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 yeah it was almost like, uh, almost like, yeah, I fancy you, but I'm going to yeah. kick your teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then maybe a lot of people would probably say another huge import for this show, GCW world champion, Blake Christian, all heart or no heart, depending on uh, where he's working. Now, He's wrestling Charles Crowley, as previously mentioned, for the GCW world title. Now, 12 months ago, this dynamic might have been the opposite. Crowley may have been the heel and Christian was probably the babyface. But um, Blake Christian has been on absolute fire in GCW as a heel world champion. Chicken shit heel, 
just unbelievable astronomical heat for Blake Christian over there in GCW. Really, all I've got to say about this one is if you're coming to the ballroom on Sunday, please fucking feed it to him. Make sure we get that heat going for Blake Christian. Please do not try to cheer him. Make sure you boo. Make sure you get around him because he's a fucking little American prick and he's coming in against our hometown boy, Charles Crowley. Nothing against Americans. I'm just trying to sell the story. <laughs> right, well, I'll get I'll get into thinking about some uh, Blake Christian based chants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have a think about it. I reckon there's going to be some Charles Crowley, of course, a famous Satanist name throughout history against a Christian. So we've got the we've got the <laughs> war of heaven and hell here, and we'll be on firmly on the side of Charles Crowley, as well as Let's the import. Let's Crowley go go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely that's horrendous. Just a starting point. I can see Mike Knight's thumb going down right now. There's no, no bad chance. Just got to work on it. You, it's, like, it's, it's like goals. You set yourself a goal. You never fail a goal. You just quit on it. I work on I work on it. Last thing about the show, Harris. I know we've got about two minutes more of your time before you have to shoot off. There's a bit of long-term storytelling, an interesting storytelling on this show. Firstly, I've really enjoyed the long-term slow build of L.A. Taylor. L.A. Taylor is wrestling Renee Michelle. Now, I don't know much about Renee Michelle other than I think that she might have a husband in the wrestling industry. I think she yeah. might be married to um, Spud, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I think, yeah. Yeah. She was knocking around in his 24-7 honeymoon. That's right, uh, the wedding and stuff. Like he lost yeah. the title at their wedding and things. I'm going in with a completely open book. I've got no idea what to expect with Renee Michelle, but I think that this is going to be another vehicle to keep building LA Taylor, but probably maybe more interesting than other two tag matches, Harris. So you missed it last month, but Malik and Robbo. Yes, that's right. Paul Robinson and Malik have drawn upon apparently a real life friendship um, on the work site outside of the wrestling industry. So it's almost like this, yeah, well, it's a heel babyface sort of dynamic between these two, and they're having their first tag match against the completely babyface team of boisterous behavior. That's Leon Slater and Doris. So I, I just have no idea what's going to happen with this, with this kind of heel face dynamic. But it is just very important. I would have to say that um, boisterous behavior have to start favorites given that Leon Slater finished at least 260 <laughs> places above Callan Newman in the PWI 500 this year, officially cementing himself as the quicker rising star. But Callum Newman has now made it onto New Japan, so Josh does get his point. On what Japan? Come on, mate. That's not a real <laughs> um, Malik and Robbo sounds like a great, really entertaining tag team. They're going to knock fuck out of people. Yeah, like probably. Leon Slater. But um, then on the other hand, there's like the really interesting story because Derice kind of said that he wasn't ever going to lose again. Almost like he'd worked it in like on the weekend up in TNT. It was almost like a career versus title match that he had and it didn't end up happening, I don't think, because Nico Angelo was injured. But like he's kind of doing this thing where like he said, he's just like, I'm done losing. Like I'm not going to lose anymore. So who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah. Is, is um, Maddox Entourage still around? Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, you know what? I think that also Costa K, uh, I think there was something about him being good mates with Robbo as well. I think the three of them are like soul sisters. Yeah. Very nice. Exciting, exciting. And then the last one, our final. Oh, to them free at Screw Fixed, yeah. Oh, mate, you do not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mate, there's. <laughs> That's Screw Fix. I swear Robinson's did the promo about being at Screw Fix before. That's why I've gone with it. 
getting in a I fight think... outside Screwfix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I remember that as well. Like, didn't he get banned from he get he got banned from Dulux Paints or something? <laughs> there was something about yeah. Last one, mate. Before I let you go, the uh, final title match is the tag title match. Now, this is another weird story because the winners of the like tag team Tombola uh, yeah. event. Yeah, the hooked on wrestling, where it was all random teams throughout the tournament. Well, the winning team of that is Connor Mills and Gene Money. Can't wait. Um, yeah, I can't wait either. And they're facing, of course, the tag team champion, Smoking Aces, Dominus Reynon. Like Connor's wrestle, Connor was last seen in Progress Wrestling face as well, wasn't he? In the um, when he beat up Spike Trevay at the that's right, he's running strong yeah. style, yeah. Strong style, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I think that they have to be fully babyface against Smoking Aces. Yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting. To be honest, I just want to see more of Mills and Money on cards. I think they both should definitely be people that progress is building around, I think, moving forward. And like Mills especially, to me, just seems ready. It wouldn't surprise me to see that he's the next guy to go to Japan. I don't know how many guys that Osprey can put the good word in for, but maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's Noah. Um, he can go and work that hard-hitting style like with Ridgeway, you know? For me, I'm calling it now in the next year, Mills in Japan, and a lot more people will know who he is. I can't wait to see them against Smoking Aces. And I think there's like a 5% chance they win the titles, but that's just me. Harris, I think... It's, I really have to let you go. You've got an appointment. So I know the listeners are probably sick of me saying big, big this. Football, big football training. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you know, you got to got to make sure you earn your spot. So, mate, I will let you go. Like, thank you so much for your time. And then I'll do the outro after, after yeah, you sign so up. I'm, you know? The last time I was on, which is about two months ago, I was trying to get a new outro uh, bit started, which was, um, the, uh, it was a like famous, like goodbye sayings with a wrestler in. So I did a see you later, Leon Slater. So this okay. time I was going to go with uh, Be Right Back. Rodney Mack. Outstanding. Cheers, Aris. Thanks so much for your time. I'll see you Sunday, mate. (laughs) Yeah, see you Sunday. I look forward to it. Good on you, mate. Catch you in a bit. All right, so that's just about all the time we have here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Thank you so much for your company. Thank you so much for James Charles Harris. I'm sure that next week he will be right back, Rodney Mack. As always, I've been Dom Philp on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. Hit us up on the social medias, Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word on Insta, TikTok, uh, Facebook. Make sure it's WSBFUN on Twitter. Most importantly, thank you very much to you, dear listener. Until next week, drink lots of water. Look after mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.